Welcome to Promocast Canada, the one and only show produced especially for Canada's promotional products community. Brought to you by the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada and the President and CEO of PPPC, Jonathan Strauss. Let's talk shop. Welcome to Promocast Canada. My name is Jonathan Strauss. I'm the President and CEO of the Promotional Products Professionals of Canada. And I'm pleased to be back with you on Promocast Canada. Today, I'm thrilled to have with us Rob Spector from Spector & Co., truly a legend in, Canadi- in the Canadian promotional products industry. So, Rob, welcome and thanks for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me, Jonathan. So, Rob, we're, we're getting into our new podcast today and we're featuring leaders of the industry in Canada. And why don't you, can you take us all the way back? Uh, I know, you know, Spectre & Co. is not the original company name. So can you take us back to, uh, to your first day on the job? <laughs> How long do you have, Jonathan? <laughs> well, I think we've got about three decades to cover. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, pretty close to it. September 26th will actually be the uh, 29th year that uh, we've been in the promotional products industry. And yeah, back in September 26th of 1991, we purchased a small little company called Bankers Pen Company, and uh, we had uh, five employees with us at the time. And uh, yeah, I had actually joined the company and started to work there in the spring of 91 before we actually bought it over. And um, yeah, just kind of went in and, you know, worked with the people. And really for the next few years, I did pretty much everything and anything that needed to be done. And Rob, so Pens was the sole focus for a lot of years, I think, right? When did you when did you decide to to expand beyond the pen market? Uh, yeah, so back then uh, we had a twelve page catalog, and it was only pens. Um, I can't recall when we actually got into new product, but um, maybe it was three or four years into it. And I actually don't even know what kind of product we got into. I think we started to go into some novelty type products at that point in time. And so, Rob, when you when you look back, and I want to stay in the past before we go jump too much to the future, but when you look like you were 100% pens on day one, what percent pens are you today? Uh, pens is still a pretty strong category for us. Um, it's probably number two within our range. Uh, but obviously, it's it's not been growing. It's been kind of being uh, been a steady category for us. And so, Rob, what you know, what is what do you look back as you you get ready next year to celebrate thirty years? What are the key milestones in your company's development that that you are most proud of as you look back over almost thirty years? Well, for for me, the the proudest accomplishments I've made is really creating a, a, a fantastic team of people that have been with me for you know sometimes two decades um so finding recruiting training empowering people to basically come on board and do their very best in in, in their areas so i think the ability for us to, to look at our management team now and look at the people that are on our management team who started at, at entry-level positions and are now directors or VPs. Um, so for me, that's pretty much the product's accomplishment in terms of um, being able to see people uh, soar to new heights. 
And Rob, from what I recall, I had the I was fortunate enough to come and visit uh, your facility and have a tour with you about three years ago. Uh, you've got hundreds of employees there, and, and one of the things I, I told uh, everybody I spoke to after our tour was that. I think you knew every employee's name. You you must spend um, a lot of time with your staff on, on the production floor. Well, it is a little sad to say that I, I it's been a couple of years that I no longer know everyone's name. You know, pre-COVID, we had around 400 people. Um, but yeah, I think we've been able to, even though we are 400 strong or we're 400 strong, um, we've been able to... Um, really continue the family environment, the family climate that we've had. And Rob, when I when I visited your facility and I visited other members, lots of new Canadians start off on, on the floor and work their way up. Are you in a business now? Are you at the point after almost 30 years that you've got multiple generations working at Spectre? Uh, good question. We've got uh, a few with, with multiple generations. Yes, not that many, however. Yeah. Okay, just uh, I was curious because I've seen that that it's uh, you know you see the first generation um, you know in some jobs and then their kids uh, are off to university as Canadians and they and they move they move forward so it's nice to see when those kind of opportunities exist. Yeah, we, we've got a few second generation people, <clears throat> um, but we do have a lot of um, spouses and cousins and aunts and uncles. <laughs> Well, it seems, you know, uh, you know, Montreal is not such a small place, but I think in general in Canada, we live in a pretty small community. So, you know, lots of businesses are family businesses, whether they're the employees or the owners, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, Rob, as you as you look forward to the future and and getting out of the pandemic and, you know, it's been exciting to see fans at Montreal Canadiens games having the Habs, uh, you know, doing well in the playoffs as you look forward to the events returning and other things. What are you most excited about as you look forward for the industry? You know, it's so funny, Jonathan, that you asked that because I feel that our industry has been um, slow in progression, slow in maturing. It's been, you know, a sleepy industry for, you know, for quite a long time. And then I'd say, you know, 10 years ago, consolidation started to happen in our industry. And, you know, the, the private equity funds, start to look at our industry with interest um, because we were so fragmented and, you know, it was, it was kind of ripe for consolidation, ripe for um, the big companies to come in and invest or partner with companies. So, you know, I really think that the last couple of years and for sure the next several years will be, we'll, we'll, we'll be seeing huge changes in our industry that we've never seen before. And the consolidation front, I think, took a little pause over the last year and a half or so. But do you think how, you think that's going to come back quickly? The 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 appetite for buying. Yeah, it's. I've already seen signals whereby um, owners have reached out to us, and I'm sure others. So uh, you, there may not be some press releases going on now, but you know you'll be hearing a, a bunch of press releases coming up with respect to. Um, supply side anyways, because I don't know what's happening on the distributor side, but from supplier partnerships and uh, transactions, you will be seeing that uh, quite quickly, I think. And you talked about the fragmentation, but is there also a need on the supplier side to, to get bigger? It's a tough question, Jonathan. Is there a need? I don't think there's a need. I think <clears throat> there's always going to be a role for, for any kind of supplier but as technology advances, 
as compliance challenges advances, suppliers are now challenged with respect to the investments required to become successful. So in the past, you basically needed to purchase equipment, machinery, and inventory. You know, now that's only part and parcel of, you know, what we need to purchase with respect to technology um, and ensuring that our products are safe and sound um, and meet the compliance requirements of our distributors and the end users. Um, So, you know, we've been faced with that for several years. That's going to continue. So there's going to be continued challenges on the supplier side to 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 make to in order for suppliers to continue to be successful. So you've got that pressure on the supplier side. And Rob, you talked about the investments in technology and, and having visited your facility. Uh, you know, I didn't visit you decades ago, but you, you've certainly gone beyond the most basic silk screening equipment and, and laser engraving. Uh, how important is it to for you as a as a supplier to keep up with technology and make those investments in in decorating and other things? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always, I would say since 2008, uh, you know, that popped up in my mind with respect to the need for moving forward with cool decorating technologies, um, in, investing in automation, although the average size of our, of our industry is quite small, so it makes it a little bit difficult for automation. But we've been spending a ton of time and resources in advancing our decorating processes to make the products stand out um, with the client's logos even more than they have in the past. And are you seeing a, a shift like every year are you seeing a little bit more go to the, I guess, non-traditional or the newer methods of decorating? Are you seeing distributors being able to sell that and getting their customers excited about that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at the, the standard, it's still pretty much a one color, one location imprint. Um, but, you know, we've been very successful in advancing our decorating processes to include color and texture and functionality with NFC chips. So it's, it's kind of a slow progress, but you now we've been very passionate about, you know, advancing the decorating methods um, to make sure that the logos look really cool as opposed to the products looking cool as well. And having seen the image awards, uh, our product awards uh, coming in for the PPC awards, I, you know, I see, you know, decorating lots of cool stuff coming into our office for, for the judging that'll happen soon. What do you wish distributors better understood about the advancements in decorating? Like they're, they're some of our listeners, Rob. So what, what do you want them to know about the advancements in decorating? Yeah, it's a challenge for them because obviously, you know, they're, they're dealing with so many suppliers and each supplier has their own decorating processes. You know, our, our, our philosophy is that we want to educate and empower and teach our distributors about all the stuff that we do internally but you know their their time is short, so um, it's difficult for us to to kind of spend the quality time and kind of um, teach them and educate them about all the processes that we're doing. But I think it's important for us, and you know we're passionate about not not just showing product, but really talking about product and the background of the product. So when you know our clients are in front of their their clients, they're able to speak passionately and uh, from an educational perspective about what they're selling. Now, the partnership between a supplier, a multi-line, a distributor, all those relationships are really important. But obviously, uh, during the pandemic, managing, developing those relationships has been challenging. So what have you found to be most successful? Or what have, what, what have you had to change in terms of how you deliver that education? Because I think it used to be your team would show up with lunch 
um, with with hot new products, and you'd have a, a conversation over a sandwich or something. How have you how have you changed that, and how have you been successful in doing that uh, during the last year and a bit? Well, honestly, I don't think anyone's really been successful. You know, obviously, we've all been you know on Zoom and Teams and whatnot. Um, but I I really think that it's been a difficult year and a half um, to be able to not be in person and not have our clients touch and feel the product. So I really feel that, you know, while we've been doing our best as suppliers and distributors, I really feel that the industry has been put on pause. Um, and yeah, there's been, been some business and there's been some PPE, but I really think that we've got to get back to in-person meetings to really advance our industry and advance our relationships with clients. And we're, we're looking forward to, to being one of the groups that brings people together again and, and hopefully sooner than later, because I know it's, uh, you know, it's been challenging and the, the tactile nature of the industry was one of the first concerns about, yeah. about that. Now, Rob, you're a company that does business uh, both in Canada and the United States, uh, and I think further afield as well. The U.S. has opened up more quickly than Canada. What are you hearing from your, your staff in the U.S.? Uh, as they, I think, I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption, are starting to see some customers again. How, how are, how's that opening up for you now? Yeah, I mean, we're starting to look at uh, exhibiting at shows. We have been doing uh, some client visits, but we want to be careful to respect, you know, our team's wishes about, you know, traveling and, and being face-to-face and our clients as well. So I think it's been starting, but ever so slowly. And obviously, Canada still pretty much shut down. You know, there's not much happening in Canada right now. Now, Rob, you have partners in your business who are based in the United States. When they look at Canada and the U.S., what do they tell you they see as the big differences in the industry? Because I think they're they're essentially outsiders, if I can call them that, or newer to the industry. What do they see as the big differences between Canada and the U.S. when they look at the industry? They haven't really been able to drill down that much. You know, they're they're pretty much a hands-off partner. Uh, they've been a great partner, but they don't really get into the weeds. Um, so they're kind of here to, you know, help support us uh, and, and growing. So they don't really kind of get down into the weeds that much. Um, but but yeah, the U.S. is definitely a growing market for us. And um, we're looking forward to um, acquiring some companies and getting some feet on the ground in the U.S., Good. Well, I'm glad to hear you talk about being an acquirer because it's nice to uh, nice when we get to see some of our Canadian-based companies uh, expanding their footprint. So it's nice nice to hear that's in the plans for you. So we'll we'll keep watching for those releases from you. Um, one of the one of the big challenges um, for a number of reasons during the pandemic and with uh, with other global issues has been supply chain. Can you talk to us about how how that's impacted you and? Uh, your company and, and how you see supply chain um, either improving or hopefully not getting worse over the, you know, the coming year? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows that everyone who's importing product from Asia is, is struggling with um, securing container space. It's, so it continues to be a struggle. I think it will continue to get worse, to be honest with you. Um, you know, oh, we basically have to fight for every shipment to get it loaded on the boat. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time uh, courting that. And, you know, if we miss a shipment, we've got to spend more time securing a new shipment. Um, And if we want a guaranteed shipment, then we've got to pay. So the premiums are out there. So it's been a struggle. And I think, sadly, will continue to be a struggle for the next, for the balance of this year, for sure. And 
perhaps into Q1 and Q2 of next year. And Rob, do these these challenges coming out of Asia, do they, with, with, with freight especially, does it make you think about looking for other places to be able to manufacture or, or is that not an alternative that's possible? Well, we, we've been looking at that since Trump um, increased a lot of the um, duties. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that. But when, when you're in the hard goods industry, it's really tough to replace China. You know, we've gone to Vietnam for a couple of our products. We partnered with a couple uh, suppliers in Vietnam, but it's really tough to for any other country to match uh, what China has with respect to low minimums, the ability to ship smaller orders and be nimble. So, you know, we haven't had too much success. I know the apparel guys are, are more well diversified, but when you're buying pens and key tags and journals and backpacks, you know, it, it's tough to go out of China. And so, Rob, you talked about premiums for, for cargo, uh, for, for, for containers and that kind of thing. When you, I'm sure you're hard at work with your team on, on your 2022 pricing. And I know pricing isn't an annual activity anymore. But as you look at, at prices for the coming year, uh, what should distributors expect in terms of price increases over the coming year? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a definite, definite price increase in 2022. I believe a bunch of suppliers have already increased prices in dealing with their containers. Um, you know, when, uh, when we bring in pens and journals, it's mostly small LCL shipments. So we haven't been affected that much from a pricing perspective. Um, but I do foresee uh, raw material increases as well. So I think pricing will, will definitely be um, increased in 2022. Rob, do you have any advice for distributors when they need to explain these price increases and price volatility to their end customers? Any advice for them or any stories, you know, you've been sharing with them on how to help them explain that to their customer? Well, I think anyone that's in business is aware of it. So I, I don't think it's a problem. Uh, even consumers are hearing about it. So I don't think it's specific to our to our industry. Um, so I'm not expecting, I don't think that there's been any issues. I don't think there will be any issues because it's not like it's hidden or anything. Everyone's been speaking about it. Um, so anyone's reading the wall street journal is, is very well aware of it. And Rob, we've talked to a couple of different ways about the partnerships between distributors and suppliers and the role of multi-lines. Are there things that you wish every distributor understood about your business to make it easier for you to do business with them? I, th I think we're a little bit different than the traditional supplier in that we invest in, in our client relationships. We prefer to spend time with our clients um, as opposed to kind of, you know, being kind of like a mass marketing, a mass flyer. Um, so, you know, if our clients are taking the time, we're happy to spend the time with them with, with respect to one-on-one. -on -one. So we never mandate our sales team to to visit x number of clients a day x number of clients a week so you know we're happy to invest in really spending as much time with our clients and educating them about our products and our decorating processes um so yeah you know we're, we're we we take our time you know we we feel that the relationships that we create are are truly genuine relationships and we're happy to invest. We've had lots of clients come up to Montreal from the U.S. across Canada um, and, and really teach them about, you know, what we do in the factory and the warehouse. So they have a better understanding and, and more comfort in selling our products. 
Like I can attest to, I've seen how your customers value those relationships. I shared with you a couple of years ago, I was visiting one of our distributor members in Vancouver and I, I joked they had a shrine to Spectre. Um, so I could certainly see how they valued that partnership uh, in the way they were showing your products in their facility. Rob, we've actually had a lot of conversations at, at our board and some committee levels recently about visiting uh, suppliers. Um, and, and that's something that um, I don't know if happens enough in the industry. Obviously, you know, the last while has has not been possible, but I, I've actually heard a lot from distributors, the value they really see and how much they've learned about why something costs what it costs to decorate or, or why it doesn't take a day to decorate every order. Um, so that's something I know as an association, we, we hope to help facilitate um, facility tours and, and getting members out um, and really encouraging that because we really see that as a great way to learn. So it's good. It's good to hear you talk about that as well. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we've had, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of distributors visit us and we're very passionate about it. And, you know, oftentimes we'll have, you know, client uh, focus groups throughout the years. And no matter how long our clients are in the industry, whether it's a year or 10 or 20 years, they come into our factory and uh, they're just blown away by um, by the amount of work required to put into whether it's a $300 order or a $3,000 order. And it's interesting you say that because one of the things that a distributor said to me recently was she actually thought that pro- some certain products, she, she's now seen how they're decorated or manufactured. She actually felt that they were underpriced um, <laughs> yeah. and, and couldn't actually believe um you know, that, that especially on the manufacturing side or the complex decorating side, like how are you actually doing it for, for so little? So, um, you know, as I said, that's something as an association that once it's safe to do, we're, we're talking about. I understand it happened years ago, some, some bus tours where distributors would go visit multiple suppliers in a day. So something certainly high on our radar uh, for, for 2022. Yeah, it's, it's just a great experience for them. And, you know, we have what we call an interactive tour. So what we've done in the past is we'll actually put uh, a client's order on a machine, put the client on the machine and kind of give them a training and say, here you go, go decorate your order. Oh, great. Well, you know what? But that's the way you learn, right? Most of us, I think, are kind of tactile or visual learners, right? So giving giving them that opportunity, uh, you know, it's like when the kids go on the field trip to make a pizza. It's, it's really the same thing probably in a lot of ways. Yeah. So Rob, as you look at, um, you know, coming from pens and now you've got obviously a diversified product mix, what do you see, you know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this as they start to think about uh, the holiday buying season. Um, you know, I think you're always probably a year ahead or more. What are you excited about? What new products are coming or what do you think is going to be hot for uh, this fall and going into uh, the Christmas buying season? I'm not sure what product is going to be hot, but, you know, the entire kitting and shipping direct to recipient is obviously huge and I think will continue to be huge. So the ability for suppliers to kind of package their products and be able to ship the onesies and the twosies. I think that's, that continues to be a a huge dynamic within our industry and the ability for suppliers to kind of showcase that is, 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 and will continue to be pretty important. So you're, you're, it's almost more now about service than product in a lot of ways or not more, but like that kind of custom service is becoming a bigger part of your business. Service, branding, packaging um, is, is now, you know, really critical. So have you had to make changes in your facility in order to be able to send out 
you know, 500 small boxes as opposed to, you know, three bigger boxes? Yeah, certainly from, from, from a whole logistics perspective, from a product development perspective, uh, from a handling perspective. Yeah, we've been, you know, we've been kind of relooking at our shipping department and, you know, making sure that we've got a, a good flow of product and, and that they're easily packaged and, and shipped. So, so yeah, it's been a, a task for us and I think many suppliers. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know, I guess this started just about a year ago um, with suppliers, you know, drop shipping, I think, was always a service that was offered. But I don't think you often were asked to drop ship to hundreds of locations for a single order until recently, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, so it's been it's been good to see that. It's also been, I have to say, very impressive to see how suppliers pivoted so quickly to a really a different kind of distribution model. Yeah, Absolutely. And so uh, I guess that's that's the new that's the new normal, and it's um, it's it's been good good to see how the industry has changed. As you said earlier, sometimes the industry doesn't move so quickly, but this is an area where the industry has obviously moved very quickly over the last year. Yeah. So Rob, you've uh, you've been in the industry uh, for many years. You were on the national board of PPPC. You were our, our chairman uh, before my time in 2012, 2013. When you look at um, at the industry and the association over your decades of, of leadership and involvement, uh, what what have you what are the things you've seen change uh, within the industry and the association? I guess the 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 association challenges um, have changed dramatically with technology. So you know, before technology came aboard, you know, it was basically shows catalog distribution um, and then obviously technology came about you know 10 years ago ish and the ability for the association to offer technology to uh, their to the participants has been a huge challenge sometimes easy sometimes hard so I think that that's definitely been um, a challenge for the PPPC for sure um, you know and, and I wonder you know what the future will be with respect to how we can continue to invigorate and bring our association together. Um, will be more trade shows, will be less trade shows. Um, so yeah, I think it's a big question mark in terms of what your job, Jonathan, is gonna be over the next several years. Well, we've had lots of time to reflect on that. And uh, you know, our, our focus, and, and I know it's been this way for, for decades, has really been to bring the industry together and, and to, to, main, you know, to help the community. And, and so we, we will change with that. You know, one of the interesting things with our partnership with Sage has been seeing how many distributors have taken advantage now of um, building web stores and e-commerce in a way that, you know, the big distributors had a lot of that, but the smaller distributors, uh, unfortunately, had some of them had too much time on their hands over the last year. But many of them have actually taken that time to invest in, in e-commerce and, and a better web presence. So we're, we're thrilled that we have a technology partner in Sage that has those tools that are cost effective. And so, you know, with, without those kind of technology tools through the association, uh, we'd be, uh, I don't know if we, you and I'd be talking today. Yeah, it's true. It's, you know, if you look at our industry, it's been really based on the, the personal relationships that have been created between, I mean, if you go down to, to the basic, it's supplier customer service rep with distributor sales rep. I mean, you know, that's, those relationships have been, you know, the core of our industry is how they get along and how they work well together and how often they work well together and how often they interact, you know. So in the past, it would be phone call after phone call. Now it's email after email. 
know, what's going to happen to the personal relationships that were live and in person with, you know, a new generation of distributors and suppliers coming in who, you know, are, are on their phone all the time and, you know, you know, basically digital based. So it'll be curious to see um, how the environment shapes up. What we're hearing anecdotally and even through some surveying we've done on the supplier side is people are keen to get back together in person. You know, you talked about the importance of your staff being face to face with customers. And so um, uh, my belief is that Canada will will be you know months behind the U.S. in doing that. But it seems that the industry is keen to get back there. What what I'm watching for is uh, do we go back to everything we always did as an industry or are we going to learn from this and, and find some evolution? So it's, you know, the next, I guess, 12 to 24 months will be very interesting to see what old practices return and what new practices are maintained. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I want to thank you for, uh, for sharing your insights and your expertise. Um, as I said at the beginning, you know, you've been a leader in this industry for a long time. Um, I was introduced to you, I was told recently uh, by Danny Bronstein at a top show in Winnipeg uh, close to 20 years ago um, when uh, when Danny was uh, showing me some banker's pens in a previous life for me. Uh, so I, I know you've been part of the industry for a long time and um, lots, of, lots of respect for you and your team uh, and your company uh, in the industry. So I want to thank you for, for making the time today, for joining us on our new podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, soon and, and maybe visiting even with some members in Montreal early next year. Sounds good. You guys have an open invitation to come visit us anytime. Well, thanks, Rob, um, and all the best and good luck as, as things continue to reopen for you. Thanks. All the best to you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to PromoCast Canada. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring more of Canada's promo leaders. 